Podcast of the cinema, what, uh, hosted, what, hosted by who? Alonzo Duraldi and Dave White. Which one is which? I'm Alonzo. You're Dave. <laughs> We're film critics. We write for the rap. Um, yes. I have other podcasts. You do. We are a married couple. That's true too. I just got an email. Yes. <laughs> uh, this is why I I don't even like to check my email. <laughs> Oh, you talk about how much you hate the 80s, and yet somehow you never left them. The <laughs> Got this email. Subject line says, Johnny Depp, men's rights hero. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> like, uh, how about, how about leave me out of it? Yeah. What if I, what, I would like to be left out of it? That's, I am not. Didn't ask. Didn't want. Don't want to know. I, apparently, the men's rights activists people, you know those guys, those charmers. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, they are hailing him as sort of like their their hero. Great. Um, That's not going to turn out to be gross for anybody. No, it's not. It's going to be, it's going to be healthy and beneficial for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's the... the Defamation sued with his former wife Amber Heard, and the it's on it's like televised and uh, 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 no again pass. <laughs> uh, these are the kinds of emails I get. Well, you never know. I mean, I I got one from our friends at June Oven. Oh, you know we like we like you. June oven. We like, yes. Kelly Clarkson gave us a June oven. That's why I for, will open an email free. from from the June oven. I'm like, what What do you got for you? Got it's a free a, another free oven, maybe? A, a second. <laughs> yeah, what, we, we really don't have room for a second one. Uh, that's true. We didn't have room for the first one. Yes, we made it happen, but... Uh, yeah, the only reason we kept touch it and go because it didn't cost there. us a dime, but yes. like... Anyway, boy. they sent me an email, and the title was simply The Apple... With an apple oh, uh, emoji. Take a bite. Ex- exactly. I thought, oh, is this more news about our favorite 1980 Menachem Golan musical? Like, tell me more. It's full of actual, actual, actual vampires. Exactly. Alas, this email was about the fruit. Apparently, there's a lot of different I like, ways. I like those two. I like sure. the movie The Apple. I like the fruit The Apple. I, I do, but if you capitalize it with a the, I'm you sure know, Gwyneth Paltrow's daughter is quite nice probably. as well. You're making me expect something else. Like, I want a you know, lowercase apple, then I'd be like, oh, of course. What can I do with an apple in a June oven? Lots of things, as it turns out. But don't, don't. You know, get me ready for <laughs> Alfie think, and Beebe and then that. and then move me on to Granny Smith, you know. In what universe would the June Oven company 
be like, hey, Alonzo, we've tailored this email to you. Well, about you, the film to Apple. Well, I'm that sure you like I, so much. I'm sure I don't know, but uh, you know, they certainly fooled me into opening that one, and I felt used well, afterwards. Forward it to me because maybe they have tips about baking apples or dehydrating apples that I need to know about. I'll uh, I'll let you know. Because I'll tell you something about this June oven. It does it all. It well, it uh, we're not doing an ad. I'm t- what I'm going to no. tell you is that it it. It does things that I don't understand, <laughs> and so it's the science. Of it. I need more. I need as many tutorials as um, they want to give me. Sure. I. Uh, and if we yes. can like change the thing to where the the new you know your food is done uh, instead of a little beep beep ring, it's you know speed. So much the better. Sure. <laughs> Somebody get Mary, uh, uh... Well, she didn't do her own singing, you know. What? No. What? We talked about this. When did we, we? We did a whole Linoleum Knife Presents more Linoleum Knife. Who sang for this. her? Uh, I... It's, it's escaped Listen, my... At the I know we did a whole time. episode of that for that movie, but I don't remember anything we said. Mary Catherine Stewart is the star of the film, but she did not do her own vocals. She could try, though. <laughs> somebody get her on the somebody get her on the horn. It's gonna be like uh Patty Duke sings songs from Valley of the Dolls, where you're like, oh, that wasn't and you in the that movie is then. Not a bad record. It's a very bad it's, record. It's um <laughs> it's unique. <laughs> I um watched a document. Mary Highland is the name. Mary Highland. H- no, Highland, H Y L A N. Highland. Yes, sang for Catherine Mary Stewart. Where is she? Movie. I do not know. What's she I, doing? I hope she understands. Is she our neighbor? That Maybe. her work it could be. She might live in this. We could she see her at Gelson's all the time, and who would know? <laughs> I hope she understands that her work lives on. I'm sure she knows. I hope. Got to She's got to All right, so um, I watched a documentary while you were uh, gone yes. the other night. I don't remember where you were, but you weren't here. And I watched the documentary while you were gone. I was at a screening? press screening. No, no, no. Well, I, I know I bought a ticket to go see X because we talked about it on that's right, all that's day. right, that's right. I'm going to watch X on Thursday when it drops on tomorrow. VOD, yes. Yeah. So we'll talk and about it next we'll time. We'll talk about X next time. You you watched it to talk about it with Christy. Yes. On breakfast all day. And whilst I was doing that, while you were doing that, I couldn't go. I can't remember now what. Maybe I was just tired. You'd been, you'd been having a big allergy day and a big allergy med oh, that's recovery right. day. It was Monday. That's right. Yes. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> oh, put a pin in that for later. Because I woke up Monday feeling really gross. Yes. And I thought, do I have COVID? And then I thought, oh, wait, no, you had you have super bad allergies and you took a Zyrtec and now you're loopy and... All your days destroyed. You are Patty Duke sing songs from Valley of the Dogs. Um, I canceled the breakfast <laughs> with our other friend David, and I was like, I can't do anything. I think I'm sick. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Just drowsing. I'm just high on the Zyrtec and the allergy coughing, and the it was the, not a good day. No. But what was good while you were gone was that I watched a documentary from 2019 called Other Music. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of y'all who 
like unusual music. There used to be a record store in New York City called Other Music. There was also one in San Francisco called Aquarius Records. Because I live here in Southern California, I would do all of my mail order uh, shopping to Aquarius. Because they were very, very similar stores. And small, small spaces. And you represent for the West Coast. And I, yes. I, uh, the other music existed between like 95 and 2016. Mm-hmm. I think they closed in 2016. And it's this tiny little record shop that, <laughs> this was my favorite thing about it. When they opened, they opened in uh, Manhattan, directly across the street from a Tower Records. Yeah. Because there was not going to be any competition between them, you know. It was, two, it was two circles on a Venn diagram. Remember back in the day when we first started this podcast, the first couple of years, we would start the show not with the theme music that Blue wrote for us, mm-hmm. but we would start it with cassettes from our own pile that would live in the kitchen next to the cassette player. I do remember that. And you would pick a song, and I would pick a song, and we would open the show with a snippet of whatever song we were digging yeah. from the cassettes that week. For some of yours, song is putting it... Uh... Remember that day... That we opened the show with the uh, decapods, the cassette of decapods. I it haunts me to this day. So this dude made a field recording of insects, yes, and amplified their noises, yes, and that was the whole cassette. I think the name of it is like the noisiest guys on the planet or the noisiest guys on earth. It's sitting. The cassette is sitting right over there. I'd have to go stand up and fetch it, though. I'm not going to do that because I'm lazy. But the the wonderful cassette, everything sounds like for like 45 minutes. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> wonderful. I bought that at Aquarius. <laughs> I had no doubt in my mind. Other music sold things like that as well. And the documentary is all about the history of the store the customers, the employees, the bands that formed because employees became part of bands like Animal Collective. Mm, gotcha. Um, other well-known musicians who never did work at other music but who shopped there. So you get to see Regina Spector, Stephen Merritt um, talking about the store. There's one, There's a very funny moment when... Benicio del Toro walks in wearing a ball cap and sunglasses, and he's like, "You got my stuff." <laughs> and the guys behind the counter are like, "Here you go." <laughs> and it turned out that he would just tell them to pick stuff for him, huh? Like whatever curate <laughs> odd new thing showed up, and right. he'd be like, "Yeah, give me that." <laughs> um. So it, it's a wonderful little documentary about this special place in time. And it's just kind of about every little oddball record store that 
either, you know, is dead now or still is holding on. The uh, Blu-ray comes out April 26th. Yes. From uh, the label Factory 25, who is very cool. Factory 25 is a very cool little distributor of uh, of films you don't know, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they put out Christmas Again. A I was few fixing years to ago. say a, one of, a very wonderful recent contemporary Christmas movie called Christmas Again yeah. is from Factory 25. And, um, you know, it's a bummer. Starring Kentucky. It's a sad, a sad little bummer of a movie, but really great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they put out all kinds of other, you know, <laughs> weirdo films. So it's appropriate that they are the ones handling the distribu- the distribution of this Blu-ray. Sure. I, uh, it's a really nice, and it's short too. It's like 85 minutes, this whole documentary. So it's a lovely little snapshot of this shop that no longer exists. I'll uh, I'll put a purchasing link in the show notes. You can get it from Vinegar Syndrome. Vinegar Syndrome, really? Yeah, well they in addition to selling their own stuff, they also handle other uh, Oh, I see. Labels I get it. Stuff. I get it. I get it. Um I don't know where that fits into the discussions that we have here. Is that a my DVD recommendation of the week, uh, or is it just a film that I hadn't seen yet that I wanted to talk about? I don't Perhaps know. it's both. I, I Frankly, if I would known you were going to bring it up, I would have let you know that it's not out for a couple of weeks, but what the heck? By the time some of y'all listen to this, it will be out. By the time sure. you listen to it, and if you if it's not, if it's out, if you're listening to it immediately after we record, you can pre-order. You can pre-order. Just don't do it from Amazon. Do it from somebody. Do it from them. Do it from the... Go direct I'll, I'll, to the source. I'll put some links in the... I think Factory 25 will just send you stuff if you pay them. Uh, I think I, they have I, a shop I, on their site, I, don't they? I will look that up and... I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think I knew that once. Um, you think you were punk once. I was punk once. <laughs> From like 1980 to 19... No, I was referencing that whenever. bumper sticker. You oh, I know. I no, it was a t-shirt that I had. That's right, yeah. It was a silhouette of a mohawk guy, and the tap, the cap, the, the, the slogan on the t-shirt was, I used... I guess I, I was I, punk I, once. I guess I was punk once, yeah. <laughs> um, the jury's out on how long I was punk and, and if I am still. Okay. I'm old now. Very, very old. If you go to the Factory 25 site, they send you to Vinegar Syndrome. So oh, okay. that's where you buy this. All right. Great. Go to Vinegar Syndrome. Pre-order other music. It's yeah. it's lovely. Um. Oh, and it comes with a booklet where the staff of other music list 100 albums they want you to buy. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's nice. I might buy some of the ones that I don't have. I'm amazed there are any you don't have. I don't have everything. No, but I think you would... And I I don't know everything. I would imagine that you would have the hundred records that other music thinks you should buy. Uh, No, I I don't have all... I do not have all 100 of them. No, I do not. I got that Decapons cassette, though. (laughs) Why isn't it on the list? Indeed. Because no one asked you. Well, because it's, I think they made like 75 copies of that cassette and then it was out of print. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, Oh, hey, speaking of things that are coming out soon, uh, next Tuesday, April 19th, 
you can purchase a brand new jigsaw puzzle. Oh, that's right. <laughs> from TCM and Running Press. Alonzo wrote a puzzle. I wrote a puzzle. <laughs> no, I wrote the booklet that comes with the puzzle. It is a, it's a, the TCM uh, Leading Ladies, Leading Men puzzle. 500 pieces, oh. double-sided. So one side gives you 50 of the greatest uh, ladies. Uh, ladies of, uh, uh, of film history, of Hollywood history, and the other side gives you 50 gentlemen. gentlemen. And I wrote the accompanying booklet that has 100 little mini biographies. Tediously binary. Of all of you. I know, you situation know, well, going on. You know, what are you going to do? Um I, I had a tiny amount of input regarding who the who the who the hundred celebrities are. Oh, I thought you I thought you were kind of collaborating. On I, that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I did some drafts of lists, and they but then they they gave they you they decided what around they wanted. And, yeah, yeah, I get it. But you know, I, yeah. I had I had some input. I, I like to think you know I got you know Seshwa Hayakawa and Paul Robeson in there, but uh, you know who knows? It, it was a it was a it was a community effort. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I wrote all the little bios for all the, all the movie stars that are featured on the puzzle, uh, which was fun. And, uh, yeah, so that's coming out on Tuesday the 19th. Um, you know, if you have, if you're one of those puzzle people or you have people in your family who are puzzle people or film nerds or whatever, uh, it would be a nifty thing to pick up and, you know, read the booklet. I put a lot of work. He he wrote the whole (laughs) booklet and it took some doing. Yeah. It took some research. Mm. I had to help you. I had to proofread it for you. You have to, you know, you also have to People like. People would ask what I was doing. I was like, well, Alonzo's writing a puzzle. <laughs> and they're like, what? Right, writing a hundred uh, like movie star biographies like all in a row kind of makes you realize how few verbs there are in the English language. Dazzling. <laughs> One of the shiniest stars in the cinematic firmament. Firmament. Um, leading ladies, leading men. Yes, is the name of this puzzle. TCM retails for twenty bucks. Yeah. You can, um, and you can do it twice. Uh, you can. You can do it twice. So next summer, when you're at you know whatever place at, you're at at the lake, and there's no <laughs> internet. <laughs> you can. And it rains one day. You've got a yeah. puddle, puzzle. You got, two, you got a puzzle that you can do two times. Yes. Um, so, uh, Memoria. Yes. Finally. Remember that? Making its way across America. Everything changed. Yes. Neon. <laughs> Get it together, Neon. Though, they, though they've got it together now. They seemingly didn't have it together in January and February, but then all of a sudden, April 1st happened and bam! Here comes Memoria. Yeah. It would appear that at least part of the original plan has been thrown out the window. Yes. The, the, when, the, when, they, when they first acquired the film, they, they had this very ambitious release plan in mind, which was that the film would play one city at a time. In a never-ending roadshow. Yeah, it would be like a museum exhibition where there was only one place anywhere in the country you could see it at any given time, and it would move around and never be released on home video, and it would just be a thing where you would like it would be that, there for that week, and you better go see it that week in that town. 
they apparently thought better of it or changed their mind or logistics or whatever. So now it's opening in a bunch of places at the same time. Yes. Um, most likely, if it's coming near you, it is coming for a limited engagement, but not necessarily because uh, it's run in L.A. has been held over for another right. week. And they said it was just going to be a week, and now it's two. Yeah, and apparently they've got other places lined up for it to go after the two weeks are over even. So uh, there's a whole website online. Memoria.film. Yes, that will tell you when and where and how to see it. They've got, it's not only do they have the dates, they have the theaters listed, the cities. You, you can get, you can click on the link to get tickets to wherever you're going to go. They've got dates lined up uh, on the site all the way through through, through October. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you know, uh, we went. Yes. Now we had seen it and we reviewed it. Yes. Uh, at the end of the year. Because we weren't sure when uh, it was going to hit a movie theater, and we weren't sure that if it did come to a movie theater in Los Angeles, that there wouldn't be a, a virus surge going on that would exactly. prevent us from being there. And also, it was being considered a 2021 movie by Neon, uh, like awards-wise and such. So I needed to see it to, to consider it for my top 10 list, which I included it. Yeah, yes. Um, so yeah, we had a we had an award screener that came. Neon did send it out on a DVD yes. to film critics and press. That DVD also <laughs> came with a scolding introduction from <laughs> Tilda Swinton with director Apicha Ponger, Seth Akun sitting next to her, basically saying, "I mean, you really shouldn't watch it this way, but I mean, I, I, I guess it, I, I won't go so far as to say that." I felt, Swinton scolded us. I felt she was disappointed in she, me. <laughs> she was. And it rocked me to my core, frankly. <laughs> it was very funny. Uh, we're going to keep this DVD forever because oh, yeah. it is such a funny little moment. Before the film, it's the two of them just sitting there. And she's like, and she essentially says, we would prefer that you not watch it this way. Yes. And we're like, yeah, it would be sorry, so nice nothing. if you weren't here. Listen, there's a global pandemic <laughs> happening <laughs> tell it to your distributor don't talk to me but yeah and i mean i even remember that was one of those ones where we we thought about going to to a screening even though it was a moment we weren't really going to screenings right. but i got no assurances that no, like none, you know zero that oh none. we're it's only going to be like 50 percent full nope. we'll make sure that people are no Mm-mm. And I was like, okay, and we then were, I... it was it was that like Omicron was happening, and everyone was like, well, what's gonna what what yeah. do we do? Do we do we go places? Do we not go places? Do we wear masks? Is the is my vaccine enough? I got my booster in October. Is it still am I still, good? Am I still <laughs> am I still good? So we didn't do it. No, we waited for that. We when the Blu-ray when the DVD showed up, we we're like, okay, this is how it's gonna happen. Exactly. Now I remember we sat down here. Uh, end of December, like between New Year's, between no. Christmas and New Year. No, wasn't no, 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 because because no. my my top ten list came out in like mid December. So. Oh, all right, well, whatever it was, yeah. it was after like standard time, daylight saving time had ended, so it was already dark. <laughs> yes, at like four o'clock in the afternoon, friend and neighbor Gary Cotty came over. The entire apartment was pitch black. The volume on the TV was up as loud as we could make it go. 
It was the middle of the afternoon, so we weren't going to be bothering anybody. Well, it wouldn't have bothered anybody anyway, because if you've ever seen a film from <laughs> the most wonderful director on the planet, Apishapangwara Satakundi, then you know that his films are lots of nature sounds <laughs> and, yes. you know, other, like, maybe sort of noises based in electricity or mechanical They're the uh, decapods cassette things. of cinema in yes. a lot of ways. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, the... Uh, the only the only big noise in this film is the the very loud bang noise. The phantom sound. The phantom banging noise. Tilda Swinton around. Right. And so we had the TV cranked up so we could get as much effect from the bang as we as we could, and it was fine watching it on the DVD. There are so many art house films in the past six, seven years yes. that I have had to review that simply did not offer an in-person press. Oh, yeah, no. And the publicists would say, yes, it's a four-hour film from Live Diaz. I'm going to send you a link to your computer. And I watch that stuff on my laptop, and that's just sometimes the restrictions of the job. you got to review something. And you're watching it on a screen the size of a notebook. Yeah, and for the distributor, the cost of renting a screening room is going to cut in significantly to their opening weekend because this is not a movie that is going to burn down the wickets, as they say. Right. So, um, but I was determined that someday, some sweet day, we'd get to see Memoria, Memoria on a big screen. Indeed. I've, I have seen his films in theaters. Often alone <laughs> or in the company of, you know, three other human beings. So what a thrill it was to go to the New Art in West Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Is the New Art in Santa Monica officially or is it in West Los Angeles? Uh, I think it's West Los Angeles. I think you've got to go further down Santa Monica Boulevard before got you it. cross into Santa All Monica right. property. Anyway, what a, what a treat to walk into the New Art. Wearing my little N95. Mm -hmm. Confidently. Yes. No snack, no drink. Only, <laughs> only cinema. cinema. And watch this movie with uh, a very sizable audience. Yeah. Like we got there, I mean, not early, early, but early-ish. We got there at like 12.45 for a 1 p.m. show and there were like seven people in the theater and I thought, wait a second, why isn't this full? And then they all just sort of streamed in yeah, the next the, 15 minutes. By the time it really got rolling, it was like there were about 150 people. At least. Year, so that was impressive. At least. And this theater seats like a few hundred folks. So it was well over more than half full. Yes. There were nothing but heads as far as I could see. Yeah. There were no walkouts. And I was anticipating some. Well, yeah. Because for the for the people who thought, ooh, new Tilda Swinton movie, but didn't bother to. Well, more than that, the, this they they really did crank up the hype machine for this movie mm. by virtue of that original plan. Yeah, mostly making people angry, but also making people like sort of, oh, I gotta see this. Yeah, I, gotta run I hear out, this is gonna go. This away. is something special. Yeah, and it's limited edition. Like it's only gonna be here for a week. You know, I got to line up outside the Supreme store to watch this movie. Right. Yep. 
that's how they treated it. Now, yeah. that is actually was actually kind of smart of them. Sure. Because maybe they never planned to do it the way... <laughs> They thought they were going to do it in the first place. Maybe they were really just trying to like play a long game here. Maybe to they get were just trying to, to see a, pump up the crowd of your Seth Akun movie. And uh, but it did make me wonder when we walked in and there were, and so many folks were filling up. I thought, have y'all seen one of his films before? Are you going to be upset and leave? You know. Um, and it did not bode well. The, uh, in, <laughs> this was a thing that we had I not, forgot about this. A thing we yeah. did not see on the DVD that, that they've sort of thrown into. I don't know if it's in all the places where it's showing theatrically, but it was in the one that we saw. Yes. There's this like 10 minute, ten minute short film, silent short film that, that Vera Sethikun assembled with like images of some of the locations from the film overlaid with like his kind of. Uh, drawings and ideas and, you know, little, not doodles exactly, but just sort of, you know, when, you know, before you get to the sort of uh, storyboard phase, sometimes directors just have like a little visual things that they want to jot down or whatever. And somebody behind us was being very too cool about this. <laughs> like, oh, come on. They were not, uh, they were not happy uh, with the, um, the pre-show entertainment. No, they were not. Now, these sketches are, uh, quite a few of them are included in a book that you can buy. Yes. And let me find the right thing that I'm looking for. Okay, I found it. Um, there is a book called simply Memoria. It is from Firefly. Wait, I'm blanking on this. Sorry. <laughs> It is from uh, Fireflies Press. Fireflyspress.com if you want to go there and look it up. They're the people who put out the uh, Goodbye Dragon in book. The, uh, the Dick Pinkerton? The critic uh, Nick Pinkerton wrote uh, last year, two years ago. I don't remember when it was. but um, So this is, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing. It's in Germany. So if you order this online, they will ship it to you from Germany. Um, But at the end of the year, when I found out they were uh, putting it out, I'm on their mailing list. I was like, Oh, Merry Christmas to me. (laughs) So I got this book. It's wonderful. It is a bunch of production stills, a bunch of notes, uh, a shooting diary, um, like ideas, sketches, uh, you know, plans, storyboards that are, are <laughs> confusing. Um, and it's just really like an article about how uh, uh, songbirds rehearse their melodies by singing in their sleep. And these are from a study that was done uh, on the electrical brain activity of zebra finches. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, uh, let's just call him Joe because that's what he talks. He he calls himself Joe all the time for Western audiences. Yes. Um. He even has a letter in here that he wrote to Tilda Swinton where he signs it Joey. <laughs> so, um, he uh, he's obsessed with the idea of sleep and what happens in sleep. And yeah. this is a film about a woman who cannot sleep. Right. Um, and. In the original draft, her name, the character name is Erica. 
I'm going to read you the letter. January 28th, 2019. Dearest, dearest Tilda, sending love from Bogota. The city and people here are always inspiring. I will be here for three weeks, a time I hope to help develop further the script. I haven't done much in the past due to my terrible insomnia that affects everything. It seems as if I have synchronized with your character in the film. I think I mentioned the last time that your character's name has changed from Erica to Jessica, right? I was inspired by one of my beloved films, Jacques Tourneur's I Walked with a Zombie. In that film, Jessica Holland was struck by a mysterious illness that kept her comatose in bed, sleeping. But each night, she gets up and sleepwalks into the jungle towards the sound of a distant sound, toward the sound of a distant drum. In Memoria, in Memoria, Jessica is troubled by the mysterious explosion in her head, which makes her insomniac. She finds a source for the sound in a small town in the middle of the country, through a man from outer space. Eventually, she manages to fall asleep. The end. <laughs> so wait, if he's if he's doing pre-production in January of 2019, it was shot during the pandemic. Wow. Yeah. Um, during the first two years of the pandemic, I should say. Well, actually, no, sorry, I got my dates wrong. If it's January 2019, if they shot it later in 2019, then... Uh, maybe they shot it in 2019, maybe they shot it in 2020, I don't really know. I mean, if they did, like... I'll, I haven't gotten that far in the book okay, yet okay. to know what dates were. I was just thinking of the fact that there is there are no masks in this movie, which, you know... There are not. And and they're, like, out in public. And they're out in public, so it probably was stuff, in 2019. So, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway... Um, it is only after the fact, only after having seen the film twice now, that I learn that Tilda Swinton's character's name is Jessica Holland. Because you know her name is Jessica, but in the IMDb page it says Holland, and this is why. Because the comatose character in I Walked with a Zombie is gotcha. named Jessica Holland. And this is this is the old school definition of zombie, the pre-George Romero kind. Yeah, a person who is... You know, the, it, it's tied the into, like, awake. the voodoo, yeah. you know, yes. uh, practices. Yeah. Yes. So, um, the uh, 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 the wonderful thing about this is that it ties it all back to Cemetery of Splendor, mm. which is also about people who are comatose with a mysterious sleeping sickness. Um, and... In this case, the, the comatose woman is never able to sleep. And eventually she finds her way through to something of an explanation. I, one thing I realized while watching it a second time is that if you go in asking for a definitive answer, yeah, I know that somebody, I know somebody who saw the film who texted me and said, that's it. the The answer is blah 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 uh-huh. that you see at the end of the film, and I was like, "Well, that's a maybe. That's a whole kind but of. That's not what the movie's about. Yeah, it's a yeah. whole kind of film analysis that exists now that is kind of getting on my nerves. <laughs> um, a critic recently took quite a bit of raking for not only not liking everything everywhere all at once. But yes. for complaining that that he figured it out too soon, 
as though movies are all puzzle boxes. Right. And, you know, this it's, it's this M. Night Shyamalan thing where once we know what the thing is, that there's nothing else to be watching it for. And it's like, I don't ever have to know all the answers as such of Memoria to love Memoria and to live in the mystery of this movie and what it's trying to say and all the things that it does indeed convey about humanity and about relationships and, 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 you know, historical memory and all of these things that it touches upon. And I don't need a blueprint that lays it all out for me, you know, like, you know, uh, 2001, when it came out, people were sort of baffled by it and didn't understand it. And like to the point where they got mad about it. And then, you know, over the years, a sort of narrative has emerged like, okay, well, this and then the the bone turns into the thing because of the (laughs) mankind's, you know, weapon. Right, right, right. right, right. And then the monolith represents whatever. And it's like, fine. And if you want to watch the movie that way, it's fine. It doesn't take anything away from the film. Right. But you can also just luxuriate in the imagery and luxuriate in the contrasts and and not try to like piece together all of the clues that Kubrick may or may not be laying out as to what the movie yeah. means and it's so reductive to make all movies this like Agatha Christie who done it <laughs> that have to be tracked down you know i always go back to the uh the 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 there's a great quote from Peter Greenaway you know, yeah. Cinema is far too rich a medium to be left to the storytellers. <laughs> Look, I, and I love narrative. I'm, I'm not the person who's out here banging the drum for experimental cinema because often it baffles me. You complain to me all the time about films that I am trying to get you to watch. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I don't not want to see those movies because I can't map out the plot and the meaning of everything. I just, you know, it's not always my cup of tea for other reasons but like when joe does it I you're just, just trying to... you're just trying to spite me really is what is what <laughs> is what that's about i want to go on the joe ride one of my a, a thing that i got this time around was the idea of the character uh ernan who she meets at the beginning and then later in the, the first ernan there are two ernans yeah and they are connected in ways that I will not sure. um, try to explain to you here, but they are connected. And when she meets the second one and she begins talking to him about things that she's seeing and dreaming, and he says, that's my memory. You're an antenna. And I'm a hard drive. Yeah. And... Because he 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 remembers everything. Yeah, and so basically, she is unwittingly sort of connected to. I jokingly said to uh, to Christy on Instagram, because uh, she Christy messaged my my account when I said we were going back, and she goes, "What is the source of the sound?" <laughs> and I said, "The sound is universal consciousness." And I am an antenna. (laughs) And I don't know if that counts as a spoiler, but you know what? It isn't. Yeah. Look, I think if if you can follow... There's so much beauty and weirdness and just mysterious wonder and 
and and and and moving moments that you aren't expecting to be moved by uh you, you you there's it it is such a it is a movie that is so full of so many things that me telling you this or that detail I'm not even scratching it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a way, Neon was right in treating this as a sort of touring museum piece because it is like a sort of installation that you enter. Yeah. You know, and and as with any other sort of... Don't spend your money on the immersive Van Gogh. Oh, please, no. <laughs> but like any other any go, other go art... Memoria instead. Any other art experience that you want to immerse yourself into, you know, there is the sort of immediate rush of everything that you're experiencing... And then as you think about it later, you can sort of piece together a meaning as you interpret it, which is not necessarily the artist's intent or other people's interpretation, but it's just, you just take it all in. I love it so much. It's really wonderful. I'd see it again anytime. Yeah. I'm so glad we got to see it in a theater, though. Yeah. Um, so get off my back, Tilda. Shout out to Robbie, friend Robbie, who yes. met us there. Yes. Um, joined us for burritos and <laughs> and then the film. And uh, what else was I going to say? I was going to say something else about it. Oh, our TV did not do justice to the bang. No. That bang, that's a sense around bang. Like, that's a bang that made the audience go, ooh! <laughs> <laughs> And, and it keeps happening. <laughs> like at random moments of the film, that bang happens again, and everyone keeps like jumping in their seats. And nobody records rain like Joe does. Nope. Like I, I, I've said this before on Twitter, and I stand by it. I can't believe that if you go on the Calm app and you call, you go through the sleep sounds, there are actually two Dune themed sleep programs, where like it's like the sounds of Arrakis or the sounds of something else. Uh, which is fine, but like, where is my memoria rain sound? Because that is 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 something that I think absolutely needs to be there. And if you see it, or if you've seen his other films, and you are really into the sound design of his films, and you probably couldn't help yourself but becoming a fan of the sound design of his films, not just this one, but all of them. Yeah, there is an album. No, oh. that you can buy. Uh, the vinyl, the two LP vinyl uh, edition is sold out, mm. but you can still get it. Uh, you can still get the uh, compact disc, the digital version ah, uh, from uh, Bandcamp. I was very, 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 very fortunate that a, a dear friend, Aaron, gave me the vinyl for Christmas a few years ago when it first came out because mm. he knew <laughs> that I needed it. But the name of the record is Metaphors. Selected sound works from the cinema of Apishapong Rurasetaku. Hmm. And you can just go listen to it on Bandcamp right now if you want and then decide if you want to buy it. But it's... That's my call map. <laughs> also on Bandcamp, by the way, uh, our, our wonderful Blue... Uh, our theme music composed by Blue. He's got a new album called Six Tape and it's at bleu.bandcamp.com. We watched Cow. We did. The new documentary, the first documentary from Andrea Arnold. Yes. It is about the life of a dairy cow in England, on a dairy farm in England. I looked it up. It's in, the dairy farm is in Kent. 
okay. which is in the southeast part of the country. And she follows this dairy cow for a few years. Yeah. We see the cow it opens with having the cow, calves at least twice, maybe even three times. It opens with the cow giving birth, and I thought, well, who's, who's, who is the star of this movie? Is it Wilbur or Wilbur's mom? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it is, no, we're following the mother cow, so we're not coming in at the beginning of her life, but in media race. Yes. And her name is Luma. Her name is Luma, which makes me wonder, I had a question about that. Did she have a name before she had Did a movie? She have a name before she had a movie. Like they That's call a- her Luma in the film, the people who work on the farm. Mm. But at one point, they also refer to other cows by numbers. Right, and Luma has you know the and she has a number painted on the back, on or, the back, or shaved in the back, and then like the tags in her ear and stuff. So. And so I don't know if this was, I don't know yeah. because one of the things about this film formally is that it's very Frederick Wiseman esque in that you do not get information other than what you can see and hear. Yeah, no, no farmers are interviewed. No, no one's veterinarians are yeah. interviewed. It's just there are there. people in the film yes. who are, you know, engaging with the cows. The veterinarian is there. The farm, the farm uh, workers are there. You know, the, they're feeding the cows. They're they're not the explaining anything no. to you. So you know, I broke I broke a rule that I always have uh-huh. for myself, even when we're watching films at home. I picked up my phone. Because the questions I had were not being answered by the film. No. Like, how long does a cow live? And how long does a dairy cow live? Yes. And how long does a beef cow live? Why do cows Because guess move? what? There are three different answers to those three questions. Yes. Um, why, what is a cow doing when it moves? Yeah. Um, how often do dairy cows get mated? And what happens when they can't mate and give milk anymore? Some of these questions are answered by the film in very blunt visual uh, information. Well, at least regarding Luma's life cycle. Yes. Um, But, you know, the mooing, no, they don't tell you why. No. (laughs) About the mooing. Um, it, it, It is a film that, very much like Gunda from... Uh, last year or the year before? Yeah, a couple years ago. About the the pig. Right. Um, It is a film that is just putting you right up close, fly on the wall, camera up the snout of this animal, (laughs) and nothing else. And I don't know what I think about it. Yeah, I'm. I'm. We watched it last it's night. It's beautiful I'm, to look at. It, it is, and the, I'm glad that I got the experience of watching it because I've never been on a dairy farm, so yeah. I don't know how they work. And if I would, if I had any complaint about that, I would have liked the camera perhaps to have pulled back a little bit so that I could see how big this place is. Yeah, yeah. Because we're always in the pen, we're always in the field with the cows, we're always up close on the cow, and the the, the rest of the environment, with very few exceptions, we're not seeing the expanse of the place, the number of cows, uh, 
I feel like the movie is raising more questions than it's answering. Yeah. Because, like, again, we begin with Luma giving birth and then the calf is sort of taken away and, and kind of raised separately with other calves, you know, yeah. far from the mothers, although they are at first fed milk from the mother. Um, and so then you think, okay, the movie's going to be about the calf. And it's like, no, no, we're back to Luma. But then occasionally we'll still keep cutting back to the calf. And I'm like, whose story is this? <laughs> You know, so that was baffling. And then, yeah, you, there's all these, they don't get into any, they don't explain to you anything about how farms work or how long cows live or any of that stuff. Look, if what we're seeing is the norm, is this like better than other factory farms? Well, kind of this places? is what I, this is what I, I gleaned from watching it. Mm-hmm. This isn't a factory farm kind of place. No, it's. Those small. cows are out roaming in the grass. Yes. Um, And they are. And so. If you're gonna be a dairy cow, right? Sure. These First are the of all, conditions you would. Prefer. You're not as good off as you are, perhaps, just being a cow with no one bothering you, for calves or milk. Yes. But you're in better shape than if you're a beef cow. Yeah. Because they get killed real fast. Right. And and this particular dairy farm is clearly got to be one of those. Our cows are grass fed with mm-hmm. no this or that. You know. Yeah. Um. And so, by cow standards, by farming standards, if you're a person who consumes dairy products, the cows are treated fairly well. And apparently, I've read the wiki page, like, Andrea Arnold doesn't even want to talk about... Like she goes, this was not meant to be sort of like vegan propaganda. Or well, whatever. I'll tell you something. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it's you. You do think things. You might as you're not want it to it. be. You might not want it to be a vegan infomercial, but I'll tell you something. By the end of it, I was like, oh, oh. yeah, no, for sure. I, Give me a glass I, of Oatly, please. I also think that she's trying to anthropomorphize the cow a in certain bit. ways, a which I bit. kind of resented. Like it, it felt like that's she was, what that's for the Disney nature movies. Where yes. They, you know, they're precious cubs. <laughs> like you, you really get the impression that like, oh, the cow is sad because they took her calf away. And I'm thinking like, is she though? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just, I, I there is a, there is, there is a. This is a fascinating I'm sticking, subject. I'm sticking on the name is really the fact that she has a name and none of the other cows and do. none of the other cows seem to have names. Yeah, know? I just I don't know what to make of this movie, and I don't think it. I think it kind of wiggles the rules of documentary filmmaking. I think Andrea Arnold, you know, had some thoughts about what she wanted to do and then did it in a certain way. And I don't know that I'm on board for all of those decisions. All documentary filmmaking is is narrative building. Of course. Yeah, and Frederick and, Wiseman does this. And, and it's all subjective. Too. And it's all subjective. And he's editing you. He's editing his films in a way that tells the story he wants to tell you. Sure. And where he's putting the camera and yes. how he's zooming in on things and all that stuff. Yes. But just like you, I was a bit left wondering, but what about this? And what about that? And why have you made this decision? Yeah. You know, I don't need, you know, I don't need you to insert yourself into the film, yeah. you know, uh, as a filmmaker, uh, you know, whether it's you talking or being on the camera with the, you know, asking questions or whatever, but I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to know after I finish watching it other than it's a hard life wherever you go. 
Yeah, it, and, I, I think at some point you can just be so divorced from inflicting a point of view on the material that then there's no point of there's no, there's that it doesn't tell you anything. You know, one thing I like about it is she is Andrea Arnold. She is so invested in getting up close with the natural world. If you saw her Wuthering Heights. Right. Mud and bugs. It is mud and bugs. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of mud and bugs in this movie too. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate her, uh, her perspective, her visual sense. Um, you She's know, probably got an impressive collection of wellies. At you this can point. feel how cold everything is. Yes, uh, you can. You can feel how wet everything is. You can see the way that the cows are treated as humanely as an industry allows. Yeah, I mean, like nobody, but, nobody's putting a stool next to them to 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 milk yeah. them individually, but they do walk out into the fields and eat grass and right, and you know and they they frolic and play and all that kind of and, stuff. And and like you know they um, they you see the the vet giving them some injections for specific ailments or whatever having to do with their you know uh, reproductive cycle, but they're not being like pumped full of hormones or anything. Well, at least we don't see on them camera. Being, we don't see them being pumped full of hormones. Yeah. We don't know. Um, Again, questions unanswered. Right. I guess I just I, I I did want some. I wanted some some chirons. Yeah. <laughs> to tell me, okay, it's 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 two years later. She's pregnant again. Or um, go fully abstract. Here's, and don't try to like yeah. pretend like you're telling me the life story of this cow. If especially because you didn't start at the beginning, and just have these sort of disconnected shots of like farm life and and you know the 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 bovine existence and it you you're not expecting a movie like that to answer questions but this is in a weird middle place i realize we've just come off of memoria telling you not to worry about (laughs) piecing together a narrative but i really felt like this movie wanted to give me a narrative yeah there's a difference that cal thinks it has one felt like it meant more in terms of a linear uh, step-by-step through this animal's life because there's certainly a definite end. Oh, yeah. We won't I spoil don't, it, I don't but spo- you can probably guess. I don't want to spoil it, but again, as I said, it's a hard life wherever you go. Yeah. So... <sighs> All right, I'm just going to say, I don't like this. Yeah, I didn't I, like it. I wanted. I don't think it's successful. I wanted more than I than I got. I don't think it's the movie. It, I don't think she. And I really am into Andrea Arnold sure, as a no, filmmaker. I I admire her. I don't. I don't think she achieved the results she was out to get with this movie. I'm not as into her as you are. I did not particularly care for American Honey, but I. I, I see American Honey's great. I think she's interesting. I loved uh, Fish Tank. Um, I, I I do think she's got a lot on her mind as a filmmaker and I'm yes. not getting it out of this movie. Yeah. I, it, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who's, do you know, who's got a lot on her mind? <laughs> uh, uh, do you know who's got a fire burning in her mind? Uh, Cesar winner, Valerie Lemercier. Oh yes. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> Valerie Lemercier. She's won a Cesar Award recently. Yes. Best Actress mm -hmm. for the film Aileen. Aileen. If you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know that we have been obsessed. <laughs> obsessively, <laughs> breathlessly anticipating the arrival of the film Aileen. Mm -hmm. And now it's here. Yes. In cinemas, mm -hmm. currently in the United States, it's yes. been open. It's already opened in other places, yeah, other it, countries. It, but it, it's you can already get it on Blu-ray in certain European countries. Oh, can you? Yeah. Well, if you got an all-region, <laughs> knock yourself out. Yep. Especially, uh, I think it's playing like art houses. Maybe, maybe not just art houses. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not entirely, but it's primarily in French. Yes. So French, uh, uh, in French Canadian French, <laughs> Quebecois French. What do the what do the French Canadians think about uh, the French that this film is 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 laying down? Uh, well, I you know the I know that the because some of the actors are French and some of them are French Canadian. Yes, and I, I know very little about the distinctions, but I do know that I hear a different dialect. Yes, I can suss out a different dialect, and I know that there are cultural jokes and words and pronunciations of things that are. Very different. Yeah, there's it's like the difference between like Scotland and Texas. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like there, at least in my head, those are the differences. No, there's an extended gag that exists only because French people French speakers in France think the way that French speakers in Quebec say the word Vatican is hilarious. I, I guess. Because they do it like ten times in a row. It didn't um, it, it, that joke didn't land with me because no. I don't know what's going on. I sat there going, Oh, I guess that's a I guess this is a language joke because it's it's shaped like a joke, but I don't get it. <laughs> All right, so here's the story. Yeah. Uh, Aileen is the story of an internationally famous, successful, popular singer named Aileen Dieu. Oui. And the reason this character's name is Aileen Dieu is because they could not get Celine Dion to write off, to sign off... Her life rights. Her life rights... For this movie. Here's what you do get from Celine Dion's life. Her songs. All the songs <laughs> sung by a singer who sounds enough like Celine Dion to make you, like, if your ears could squint. Victoria Seo is her name. Is her name. As I said, if your ears could squint, <laughs> you might hear she's, Celine Dion. She's doing designer imposter Celine Dion. Yeah. And um, the, the narrative beats are roughly the same. Yes. Here's the story of Celine Dion. And, and, I'll, and I'll give you a little bit of, you know, distinction between this and the film. She was born uh, in Canada to a family with uh, 14 kids. Yes. She was the baby. She's the baby. Her parents... Uh, and all her siblings, they were all musical and they were in a big like family band. Uh, they would band play weddings or whatever. And yeah. And Celine, obviously, gifted. Uh, you mean Aileen? No, no, no. I'm talking about oh, Celine. Okay. I'm talking about the real Celine Dion okay. right okay. now. Gifted. They send her uh, recordings to manager. Along comes Renee Angeli. He becomes her manager. They, uh, and she's like 14 yeah. or something. And when she becomes like 
20 or 1920, she's like, look, I love you. I know you're my manager. I know you're like 30 years older than me. And you've been married several times. But you're my guy. Yeah. And he's like, all reports are him saying, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. This is, no. And she's like, no, this is how it's going to be. There is a quote from her that is actually in this film where she says, look, I had a picture of him that I would just take to bed with me every night. And she said, I was, I knew this was my guy. I was going to have him. And I didn't care if anybody liked it or not. Um, and her so, mother in the movie her mother not. did not like it. Uh, but so when she gets to be like, I don't know what it was like, 18, 19, 20, you know, she becomes legal. Yeah. <laughs> and she says, okay, I'm legal now. Let's get this going. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and she's like, no, it's happening. And then they got married. And then they had uh, three kids. Uh, oldest son and then two twins. Uh, twins. And then he died of cancer. Uh, and now she's single. And a, an industry unto herself. And she is, yeah. So the um, the film basically falls all follows all of these these beats. Yeah. Um, but not in a like a dramatic from, way. <laughs> not from a like Romana Clay ripped from the headlines way. No. But literally a we just changed the names. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and you're hearing the songs, which is. Which is dissonant because we changed all the names, but we're still singing right. these songs. They do manage to work in the name Celine. And Dion. And then the word Dion yes. at one point in various scenes so that at least you get the first name and the last name of the real person in the film spoken by people. Yes. Uh, very cleverly added as little jokes and misheard. Celine's you know, first album is like La, La Voix du Bon Dieu. And because the character is Aileen Dieu, her first album is La Voix du Bon Dion. Yeah. Okay, so now let's talk about Valerie Lemercier. Oh, let's. Uh, she co-writer, played, director. She's the co-writer, she's the director, and she's the star. Yes. And you may be asking yourself, well, who plays uh, Aileen? As, let's say, a six-year-old child, or a 12-year-old child, or a 14-year-old child, or a 17-year-old. Well, that would be Valerie Lemercier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they shrinkify her. Yeah. And then they kind of, sort of, youngify her face digitally, but not too much. No. So, the very first time you see her... Oh, and by the way, apparently... The earliest scene where you see the mother holding a baby uh-huh. and putting her in the the, the, the drawer, the dresser drawer as yeah. a crib, apparently they they had a shot of Valerie Lemercier's face <laughs> superimposed on the baby, and apparently I I don't know that this is true, but I heard that that was cut because it was like no, that's a little too, too much. much. I made the joke afterwards, like I'm surprised she resisted but putting her face on the baby. Is what you do see. Did. What you do see is the family on a stage. Yeah. And little six-year-old Aileen standing next to the stage 
slowly peeking her head. Kilroy was hearing over, over the, the stage, the- and 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 so you see the top of her head, and then her forehead, and then her eyebrows, and then her wide, wild eyes, and then her nose, and you're like, I'm sorry, is this a goblin? Like, what is happening? What is? Is there a tiny little? What's, like human person? What's the Wayans Brothers movies where one of them pretends to be a baby? It's called. It just that's what it reminded me of immediately. <laughs> that kind of I, Bran on Deck the Hallmark made me watch Fred Claus again last yes. week. Yeah, and I had forgotten that like John Michael Higgins and Ludacris play elves in that movie. The name of the Wayans film is Little Man. Little Man. Yeah. Anyway, and so, but watching like Elf Ludacris in Fred Claus, I was like, ah, Aileen. Aileen. <laughs> so you, they introduce her in this way with Valerie Lemercier's face on the on the tiny body of like a six year old, of a child. toddler, like six or seven. And uh, it's not a toddler, really, but uh, and then you see her at age twelve in class, and you're like, "Why? What are we doing? What is this fifty-seven-year-old woman doing in a a middle school?" Because again, I say to you, they shrinkify her, and they kind of make her face younger. Yeah, but not, but not too much. Yeah, and so at each step of the way. The character grows into this adult face, but you see the adult face every the single whole time. time. The whole time. No matter what age she's supposed to be, you're looking at the adult face of a person. And Le Mercier comes from like a comedic background. Like she's in Les Visiteurs. And, and it makes me wonder, even though I know I'm wrong, like what is she doing? Is this meant to be this bizarre? The, the whole film occupies this weird space between like utter gushing like fan service and oh, yeah. I love I love Celine Dion so much it and is I'm clear that I, she loves Celine Dion yes but at the same time you could look at the same footage and if you were making a parody version of her life you said with Amy Sedaris with Amy yeah exactly yeah. like if Amy yeah. Sedaris and David Lynch had collaborated on the on the Celine Dion story it would look like this <laughs> And then here's the crazy part about it all. It's so sincere. Yes. And so loving and so and so invested in making you care about what's going on that when what's the what's Renee's character uh, Guy name? Claude. Guy Claude. Yeah. When he dies mm-hmm. and then she dreams about him. Yeah. It's an actual emotional yes. moment. And and you realize Hang on with me here while I say this. Okay. It is in the spirit of the actual Celine Dion because there is nothing that has ever been cool about her. Right. There has only ever been... Earnestness. Earnest, off-kilter, somewhat weird, like... Literal (laughs) heart-hitting... Like... I smack my own chest when I when I want to sing about a heart. Um, I showed you last night. I showed you a wonderful clip of her singing her her song. Uh, there's a single that she put out in the late '90s, early 2000s called "That's the Way It Is," and there's a wonderful clip of her singing it on top of the pops. 
where she's on this little box in the middle of the crowd, lip syncing on a little box in the middle of a crowd of teenagers and like so close they could touch her if they wanted to, but you know, they're like instructed not to. Right. And, and she has nowhere to go, nowhere to move, has to lip sync. And so she's doing a variety of hand motions and (laughs) gestures and saluting the camera. (laughs) And you're like, darling, all you have to do is sing. We all love how you sing, but she will never not try to give you 2,000% more than what you expect. And that's what this film's energy is. This film is like, we're going to do it all. Yeah, the, the We're going to do it all. And dork- we don't care how dorky and corny and weird <laughs> and, and, and effed up and, and strange you feel. We love Celine Dion and you will love her too as you will love Aileen. <laughs> yeah, the dorkiness is baked in and, and, and they definitely celebrate that in this. But at the same time, it's this thing where... Um, it also, I think, underscores the fact that this is not a particularly event-filled life story. No, because like, she just goes from from success to success. Exactly. The one bad thing that happens to her is that her beloved husband, love of her life, dies. Right. You know, like you know, that's th- plenty, by the way, uh, for sure. But, but like, <laughs> but, and, and there's a moment the where the film is not like it's not like it's building up to that. No. And at the, at like, like there's a moment where oh we want to have children we can't have children and then we can have children and, and, and then we had them you yeah. know so uh, you know <laughs> we went to a fertility specialist everything's like, fine there's this yeah. is not a rock star biography with like bankruptcies or addictions no. or rehab or no or falling out of favor with the public no. none of that no one has ever not loved her like it it if you people who like other music <laughs> might not respond to her sure but you cannot deny what she is yeah she's like this perfect singing machine and as such she has so much in common with this was a smart move they play you a lot of old songs in Mm -hmm. the movie from old timey like very presentational singers Uh uh-huh People whose job it was to sing and entertain and make you happy and make you feel things and make you feel love for the song or for your your partner or whoever. They weren't like boundary-pushing artists. They were good singers whose job it was to interpret a good song that maybe somebody else wrote for them. Right. That was a tradition in American and... Canadian and European, like a tradition in pop music for decade after decade sure. after decade after decade. And then that kind of singer fell out of favor yeah. with critics mm. and cool people, but has never lost their their favor. They've never lost their power with audiences. Right. So you may not even remember that a group like Il Divo still exists, D-I-V-O. Yeah. But they're packing them in but somewhere. They pack them in somewhere. Celine Dion is that old timey kind of singer. Yeah. In the contemporary world, and that is why quite often I feel like she seems so out of place. Um, and and why wouldn't you feel that way when you've got Madonna rolling her eyes at you at the Academy Awards? <laughs> you know, distancing herself from you as much as she possibly can. Sure. Because Madonna is an artist. Madonna breaks boundaries. Madonna has spent her life. You know, pushing, 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 and being, you know, a bold presence in the world. 
Celine's just, uh, I, I'm here to sing. Yeah. And I'm just real good at it. I'm really good at it. Yeah. So this film really does capture that. Yeah. In I, spite it, of its wild weirdness. It is an uncool movie, which any movie about Celine Dion has to be. <laughs> We love Aileen and you should go see it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you should read the 33 and a third yes. book about Let's Talk About Love, subtitled uh, Journey to the End of Taste, yes. which is a brilliant examination, not just of Celine Dion's career, but of where she fits in the Pantheon and who decides what the Pantheon even is right. in the first place. It's a right. great piece of of critical writing that, that we like a lot. And then you should also check out the documentary Celine oh, yeah. through the eyes oh, of yeah. the world because on stage she's amazing and off stage again, dork. She's really <laughs> wacky. Yeah. Um, like she loves to pull a face. She yep. loves a physical bit. Like she is, She has a good sense of humor yeah. about everything like you don't imagine like you watch like remember the barbara streisand netflix special and you see her backstage and she's still all business and very yes. like you yeah. know eyes on the oh, prize yeah. yeah celine is a goof and right. is like happy to show you that side yeah. of her and yeah. i'm not even a fan <laughs> oh you know what over the years i respect her but i don't turn to her for my own like, over the you know, years I would be. I, I. I will say that I have become a fan over the years because when I hear her sing, mm -hmm. I'm like, "Yeah, turn that up. She's good at that." Or when I see her uh, performing, you know, on YouTube or on television or wherever it is she is, um, I think, "Oh yeah, I'll watch this." I like you. I would see I her in Vegas. I think you're good. I, I would, would absolutely totally see go her see her in Vegas. Yeah. 100% I would. I assume one day she'll come back. Right now she's on an actual tour. Yeah, she's... Um, but I would go see her in Vegas. Yeah. No, not not even... No question I would do that. I, I'm sure it's way too expensive and that will keep me from doing it. Well, there's but, that. Um, you know. <laughs> Aileen. <laughs> A weird, weird, weird movie. Mon Dieu. <laughs> Please watch it. Uh, letters. Yes. We have some letters. We do. Where are the letters? Are they in my They're email in your box? inbox. They're in my inbox. Johnny what Depp I, is standing in front of them, perhaps. What if I pulled up my inbox and dispensed with this Johnny Depp email? <laughs> Larry says, uh, I guess regarding uh, everything everywhere? Yes. Oh, yeah, from the Everything Everywhere episode. Larry says, I saw it yesterday, although I didn't love it quite as much as you, Alonzo. But, uh, wow, oh, wow, I even cried a couple times. The mm. cast is simply stellar. Yeah. The message is beautiful. I'm pretty sure I need to see it again. It, it, you know, I don't often recommend multiple viewings for a movie, uh, but uh, for this one, I do. I saw it twice in one week. <laughs> Daniel. Says, I was saddened by how much I disliked Death on the Nile. Mm. I'm an Agatha Christie fan, so even though I know how these end, I still enjoy watching them. But this movie was completely joyless. Branos Poirot is so boring, and giving him this tragic background and brooding nature doesn't help. There was no humor at all. 
Also, I'm not opposed to updating the characters, making the older couple gay. I'm fine with that, except when Poirot reveals the nature of the relationship, it's done in such a way as if we should be shocked by it. <laughs> I was also disappointed. Well, you know, uh, when I when when that reveal happens, I, I was like, we're, we're oh, he pieced, is he pieced together the clues, yeah. the lesbian clues. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, he says, I was also disappointed that French and Saunders seemed so dull because I love them. I'm glad they cast black actors in some of the roles, but then they didn't really acknowledge the racial attitudes of the time. He says, Sophie Okonedo makes a comment, but it comes out of nowhere. Uh, and the notion of interracial relationships don't seem to be an issue for anyone at the time. It doesn't seem like that would have happened then. That, that's a... That you know, like like Bridgerton, it's just a, it's just that's baked in, and, and we're right. just all assuming that yes, yes, this is how we're telling this story. Yeah, but but in in something that 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 is like when World War One has happened, and we're talking about you know a recognizable world yeah. that that always does strike me as like you got to thread that needle. Somehow. You're imposing contemporary uh, standards. You're con- you're 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 imposing contemporary understandings of 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 race uh, on a time when white people were not yeah. cool. <laughs> they weren't. Yeah. And mostly still aren't. But yeah. like Annette Benning would be appalled if, if her son was, you know, marrying a, a woman from Ireland or Italy, let alone a black woman from the United States. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It did. It, it did. It did uh, not get that just right. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, how would people have, how would white, how would white people have treated right. these uh, uh, relationships? Yeah. And the answer is horribly. Yeah, and those relationships did exist at that time, but there was also a societal price to pay, yeah. which you can address in a movie like this, and they yeah. just don't. Uh, Daniel also says, by the way, I just watched Young Girls of Rochefort ah. for the first time. Oh, lucky you. Why didn't I watch it before? <laughs> It's like it was made for me. It's uh, it is it, made for it, you. It's it made is, for everyone. It is. It's made so for great. people who love beauty mm-hmm. and hats and antics, antics, trombones. <laughs> Gene Kelly. It's great. Everything's great about young girls of Rochefort. It is. Um, those are the letters. Those are all the letters. Okay then. Uh, all right. Well, listen, thanks everybody for listening. Um, subscribe and uh, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read them on the show. It's been a while since we've gotten one, so it would be nice if you haven't yet, please. Oh, a five-star review? Yeah. Yeah, go go do that. Amble over to, uh, to Apple Podcasts. And I don't mean four stars. Um, five. I don't mean four. No. Don't, don't come to me with four. <laughs> Are you my friend? Are you my friend? Are we in a parasocial relationship? <laughs> I need five. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash linoleumknife. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you get extra content. And uh, the higher you go, the more we give you. And so if you like this, we got more. Uh, you can follow us at linoleumcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. I will put links in the show notes for the other music documentary and the Memoria book. And uh, until next time. Goodbye.